0: On good, (laughs) fantastic. Look, I just really want to thank the tech team for doing that. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, isn't it fantastic to be together here in God's house, worshiping God this morning? And yay, (laughs) we can get excited, can't we? We should be the most alive, the most excited, the most joyous people in the universe. (laughs) Praise God. Um, The girls' getaway weekend, it's only in a couple of weeks' time and it's just a marvellous opportunity to get away and to get away with God and with other women and to be soaked in teaching, to be soaked in worship, to be soaked in fellowship. And you know what? Every single time that personally for me I've been away on these weekends, I come back and Warren has to scrape me off the ceiling. (laughs) It's just wonderful what God does when you give up time, when it comes at a cost, but when you actually say, God, this is a priority. I want to get together with women, uh, my sisters in Christ, and I want to be able to stand at your feet or sit at your feet and be taught from your word, lay it and laid and laid over and over again over the course of a weekend. So hopefully I've convinced you ladies that haven't enrolled this morning to do so before you leave, go out to the information desk and enroll in our girls' getaway weekend hey, we've got Mission Month this month, as as if you hadn't noticed or hadn't taken notice. And a little while later, Dave Miles will be coming up and uh, just explaining to us what we're actually going to be doing in terms of uh, supporting our missionaries this month. And, of course, next Sunday, it's on the front of your bulletin, a really important Sunday, really significant Sunday, because this is your opportunity to be able to support the work of missions overseas. So please, don't don't forget to come, but come with a giving and generous heart. And I guess the only other thing that I really did want to make mention of is I'm wearing a pretty snazzy name tag this morning. Um, It's actually got my name on it so that I'll remember who I am and that you'll know who I am. And it's with our new logo as well. And what we just find is that we've just got so many new people coming um, weekly into our fellowship, which is, praise God, is just wonderful. And so you might think you know everyone, but not everyone knows you. And the reality is you probably don't know everyone. And it's really great to be able to have a name tag and to be able to, you know, after the service when you're having tea and coffee just to be able to actually say oh hello Gail you know and when someone knows your name when someone says your name it's just wonderful so lots of other information in our bulletin please read that but I'm just going to pray Lord we just thank you so much that we are your gathered people. Lord, we just thank you so much that your word tells us, and it's also our heart experience, that when we are gathered people, you are present here in our midst. Lord, let not that fact just become a fact. Let it overawe us, let it overwhelm us. Jesus. You are here right now, right here, in this place now. We just are amazed at that. We humbly give of ourselves here today. Lord, I would just pray right now, if there is anyone here this morning that has come and their hearts are not turned towards you, that their hearts might be harbouring unforgiveness or wrong attitudes. I pray right now, right now, before any further part of this service proceeds, I would pray right now that we would confess that to you. We would surrender that to you right now, Jesus so that we could enter into the worship that you desire for us here this morning. Lord, we just pray that as this service continues, as we sing, as we hear about mission, as we come and hear Jonathan's preach from your holy word, as we fellowship, oh Lord, may you, May you be glorified. May you be honoured. May you be worshipped. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
1: G'day. Morning. Is that working? It's loud? Right. <laughs> no? Green light all go beautiful um, I'm here from the mission Watch team, and uh, we're going to have an offering next week, as Gail said, um, to support our missionaries overseas and it's exciting this time because we've got our homegrown missionaries john and and Mark docking so that's that's really exciting um, so our, our heart is that uh, people all over the world all over the the nations will 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 know the love of Jesus and uh, we work with Global Interaction um, to support our missionaries, and we've supported the Yao people in Malawi. So, so people who are new to the church, and as Gail said, lots of new faces. So, what we do, we support some missionaries in Malawi in a in a country which is um, really really poor, has lots of. Um, yeah, it ha- hasn't got a hasn't got a lot at all. To, um, lots of Muslim faith, and that's that sort of thing. Uh, and what we're going to do that is have a special offering next week. Um, and the first, the priority is to show support for the dockings by making twenty percent of their annual budget, which equates to eight thousand dollars, which w- which would be really exciting if we could do that. And the remaindering of the offering will be. Um, Received regularly by pledges and left and money after that eight thousand dollars, and that will go to two two areas in Malawi, two two special projects. One called the Life Groups Rural Develop Development Program, um, and that's about supporting the local people there in in Malawi. And that was sort of set up by a man named John Wilmont and. Um, it, it, there's word that there's 120 villages already that have are using these these programs and ministering to the people. And what the program does, it, it constructs safe drinking water. It cares for orphans in the villages. Local volunteers provide labor and materials to achieve this. Our life groups assist with providing training, monitoring programs. Uh, they educate. 40 people, so 40 people in each 120 villages, that's nearly 5,000 people, which is really exciting um, to become literate and work on their numeracy. They also do practical things like uh, learn about HIV, health and hygiene, agriculture, microfinance and gender. Um, so that that's a one really good program that's um, exciting. The other one is about uh, translating the Bible. So... Uh, missionaries Scott Gervin and Ian Dix are translating Bibles into a language and, and idiom and religious terminology that the Yao can understand so um, to give you an indication of how far the money that you give will go, $350 uh, would be enough to start one of the first programs, the supporting the people that would that'd be enough to support one whole village and three hundred and twenty. Twenty-five dollars in the in the second uh, in the Bible translation would be enough to print a hundred Bibles and teaching booklets. It goes a, a really long way. Uh, how do we support these these two projects? Well, next Sunday, as we said before, there'll be a special offering on May the the thirty-first. Uh, a portion of your offering will go to the dockings, and the remainder will go to the two projects. Either one. There's a little envelope in your. Um, things today what are they <laughs> that's it the bulletin uh, so you can tick either one and um which which either one you want to support so yeah <laughs> uh you can also pledge so you can pledge a, a certain amount of money each month and you can um bring that money along and put it in a special envelope so uh people so that the people know who, where the money's going and what it's for. When they receive the offering, and that can be put in the regular offering buckets. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we've got a small DVD just to to show you. But I'd, I'd really, yeah, it's really exciting. Last last time we had May Mission Month, this church gave a really, uh a so so such a generous amount of money to support these people, and it's exciting to see what it's doing in in Africa and. Um, in Uganda, with John and Mark, uh, so yeah, let's give generously and um, praise God for what He's what He's doing.
2: And say. Hey, I'm a little bit confused, so I thought it would just take two minutes now just to explain so you have real clarity of what we're asking you to do next week, okay? Uh, We've just heard about um, all the things that are happening with GIA and the Yao people, and what we're asking you to do next week is to come with an offering. And we're asking you to come to bring an offering to give and usually we have a May Mission Month offering, but this year we're asking you to come and contribute to the Wodonga District Baptist Church Missionary Budget. And this is going to be a budget that's going to go right through for the year till next May when we ask you to contribute again. And what we want you to do come next week, you can come with, with a number of things. You can come with a cash payment to put into the, into the offering. Now... Christ followers, we've seen right through the Old Testament, the Bible says, you know, bring a tithe. In the New Testament, they don't say you have to give a tithe. What they say is they offer your whole life. So we recommend regular giving to our normal offering. 10% is a great starting point to give to the regular income. We're not talking about that now. What we're talking about over and above your regular gifts of tithes and offerings, we'll take up a normal offering next week, but over and above, we're asking you to contribute to the missionary, the mission's budget. And we'd love you to bring a cash amount. We'd love you to sit down and think, what can we give right now, next Sunday, in the mission offering, in a, in a one-off payment? Now, you might come and just be able to give that, and you give that next week, and that's great. But some of you will be in a position to give now, and also to pledge. And this pledge, what we would love you to do in the coming week is to sit down with your family, and hopefully you've already been talking about this, is to say, you know, if God would provide all our needs, if we would take a step of faith, if we would really believe maybe we cut out chocolate or we have one less cappuccino for the rest of the of the year, what might we be able to give regularly, over and above our regular giving, what might we be able to give as a pledge? And so what you do is you'd put down an amount that you could give maybe each month, maybe every six months, maybe every third month you'd give a pledge and you write that down on your card. Now there's no names on here. We're not going to be checking up and this is between you and God what you give. And then all this giving that we receive next week goes to make the first ever Wedonga District Baptist Church missions fund. And we've been talking as a leadership and as a diaconate, and we've had church meetings, and we've we've sort of the mission watch group have come back to us and said these are our recommendations. Now, at the last church meeting, we agreed that we would support Marg and John Docking, and so Marg and John, you're not going to be able to read all of this, but at least you get it in your mind, are over in Uganda, and so the first eight thousand of what we receive will go to fulfil that. Op- 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 obligation that we have to the docking. So the first 8,000 will go there of what we get. And that uh, is a percentage of what they need for this year. Now, some of you are already supporting Marg and John, and that's separate. That just goes to help the other portion of that. But at our church, we're giving the first 8,000 of what we receive to them. And then what will happen is the next is to support the Yao people of Malawi. And the two things that we're going to be giving to are the life groups, which we've just seen all about the incredible difference they're making in people's lives. And the other thing is the offering of scriptures in their language so we can help change their lives. Now, you might come next week and say, I'm going to give you know, um, $100 in cash. And what you say, I would like it to go to either Project 1, and you could tick Project 1 on your yellow sheet, or you could tick project two, or you could tick both. You know, you could say, I don't mind, both of them seem great to me, I'd prefer, I'd like both. And what we're going to do is the first 8,000 we get will go to Marg and John, but the rest, the proportion of giving that comes in for each of these two will be given to those projects as people have indicated their preferences so that we'll be giving what you would like um, over and above that. Now... What will happen is next week, we'll have a cash amount that will come in, but the pledges will come in right throughout the year. And what will happen is we will give off as funds become available um, from the pledges, and we'll continue to give to these projects right throughout the year. And next year, when we come again, we're gonna be presenting to you some other things that we'll give as our mission budget. So that's what we'd love you to do. This, this This week, pray about it, come along, And give your pledges in and your cash offerings or one or the other or both, whatever you'd like between you and God. And let's believe that God's just going to do some enormous things through us as a church. As we've sent our first missionary couple out, Marg and John, and as we're trying to continue to make a massive difference amongst the Yao people. You're such a generous church. And I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do through you. Um, The feeling was absolutely Uh, ecstatic. The place was just filled with excitement. The the lights were flickering. There were little electronic noises just going right through the gaming room as he walked in. Uh, Travis was back here at the Burleigh gaming room, uh, hoping that this would be the night where he would get. The big one, where he would get the jackpot, where he would finally uh, put in the coin that would bring the big return that would make all his dreams come true. He'd been back earlier on in the day, he'd got his $490 fortnightly check for job search from Centrelink and he'd blown $300 already in the day hoping that he would get the big one, but it didn't happen. But tonight he felt different. He knew he probably should have given the $190 remaining back to the landlord. But just thinking that he might get the big one. He he could buy the whole house (laughs) if he just got the big one. So he walks in. He looks around the gaming room. sees a lucky poker machine and sits down in front of it and starts... Slowly to put the coins into the machine. He kind of got a sense things weren't going quite right a few months back. He'd been sitting down with his mum and his dad and he'd been begging and pleading that they would give him a loan. He, He was telling them all the reasons why he should lend them, they should lend him the money. But deep down he knew that he was just wanting the money so that he could gamble it away with the hope of getting the big one. He told them about the fact that, you know, the kids needed books for school and because winter was coming along, they needed new clothes and, and this would really help him pay that. The rent would fall behind a bit and, and look, if they could just lend him the money, he could get the car fixed. But deep down, he knew what he was going to do with it. They drew a cheque, $1,000. And within three nights, it had gone just hoping this time would be the one when he gets the big one, this one would be the the time. And almost like providential or whatever it was, you know, Kevin Rudd announced and sent out his $900 stimulus payment. And, you know, he knew even at that point he should have just paid back and done the things he was supposed to, but this was a chance. And so he blew that as well. And the funny thing is, you would think by now that he'd be starting to think in his mind more and more about how silly this is. But you know what he's thinking now as he's at the Bureau putting in these coins? He's thinking, the more and more I've lost, the closer I might be to the big one. You know, like the odds when I first began were like this big, but now I've been gambling so much it might be just round the corner. You know, he'd won 350 two weeks ago, and just last week he got another 150, but that's all gone. And the strangest thing that's happening as he puts in the last coins is rather than feeling guilt or even regret, his mind's starting to think of where he can get the next. Money from. He's thinking maybe my sister in Tasmania would lend us some money. Maybe if I asked my mum and dad again, they would lend another. Maybe if I got my super and I went to the government, maybe they'd let it out early for me. Maybe I could try and wangle something or do something just so I can get some more money so that I might get the big one. This morning, as we're gathered. Together, I want you to know some good news. Unless you are a problem gambler, the good news is that you're not a problem gambler. (laughs) Makes logical sense, doesn't it? You go, is that what we came here today to hear? You know, I'm not a problem gambler. I already knew that. Now, some of you might be problem gamblers, and if you are, I hope this message speaks to you. But I want you to be encouraged today that you are not problem gamblers, if you're not. right? I already know that, you might say. And what's this got to do with mission anyway? Bear with me. Because I think there's a lot of things that we can learn this morning about the mindset of a problem gambler compared to the mindset of a Christ follower. And you might be here this morning for the very first time and you might say, well, I'm not a problem gambler and I'm not a Christ follower. But I'm hoping this morning that as you see what it's like to be a Christ follower, and as you compare that to what it might be to be a problem gambler, the, the decision about whether you will follow Christ will be crystallized. But for you who are not problem gamblers and Christ followers, I'm hoping that today we will find some clear things. That will help impact the way we view mission and the part that you and I can play. There's some things. Could you just pass me that black text, darling? There's some things that are really um, different, completely different, between a, a gambler and a, a committed Christ follower. And 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 one of the things are is just who's who's at the very heart of all the decisions that we make. And, and the, sca- the gambler would have to say, you know, me, I'm making the decisions. And the decisions I'm making in my life, are, I'm, I'm deciding to go after a dream. Because if I can just get more, if I can just have more, if I can get more, then I will be better. I will have the resources I need. I will be able to live the dream that I have. So I am making the decisions about what I will do. And I've bought into the idea that if I just have money, that if I have influence, then I'll be able to make a big difference. The Christ follower, on the other hand, has God at the very top of their heart. God is the one that they are not. So they're not trying to control their whole life. They're trying to allow God to control their life. So, so this is the way it happens. Uh, you know, a person who's not a Christ follower comes to realise that, hey, I'm here, I've been created. And they look and they read the Bible and they start to understand that God created them and made them and he, and he formed them and he's the one that best knows how they should live. And as they read the scriptures, they realise that they are just like everyone else and they've lived their own way. They've gone their own way. They've sinned. They've gone opposite to God. And as people that aren't Christ followers start to read the Bible and understand the gospel message, they realise that they've sinned. They've, They've lived completely differently to what God wants and they're filled with remorse and they turn from their sin. They repent. And they put their trust... In Jesus, God, they realised, loved the world so much that he sent his son, and Gail talked about that last week, that God loves the world, that he sent his son, that whoever believes in them, and these people who were once not Christ followers put their faith in Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive them because of his, his death on the cross, and they receive his forgiveness, and they receive the hope and new life that comes from trusting in God. And from now on, you know what's happened? It's not about me. Any more from these people? It's about God and His purposes and His kingdom. And, and Matthew six thirty three says, "And seek first His kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well." And this difference between the the gambler and the Christ follower is who is in control of their life. The next difference that just comes up is, well, how then do they use their, their money? How do these, what's the difference? And the difference is this, they, the gambler uses the little they have to get um, more. Well, they hope to get more. This is the dream. They're thinking, I oh, haven't got much, but if I just use this and I use it in this way, there's a hope, there's a dream. And if I don't use the little that I have, I'm never going to be able to get this, this more. You know, They don't tend to realise that actually by working hard, getting a job, saving, structuring, being self-disciplined in what you get is a far quicker way to make uh, lots of money than just getting it by pure chance and luck. And, you know, I watched the TV last night and over and over again they said this story about this man pushed into a lady, in front of a lady, at quick pick, and he won. They don't tell you that there were millions of others that didn't actually, uh, you know, that she won the quick pick because he picked it. They don't tell about all the others that lose. And this person says, I've got to use every little bit that I can so I can put it down the machine with the hope that I can get more. I've just got to get more. I've got to hope. That's what I'm mean. Whereas the person who's a Christ follower realises everything is God's. Everything is God's. And, and it's been given to me. Like, my life is God's, my breath is God's. This whole earth is only here because God's the creator and it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him. And therefore, my gifts, my talent, my time, my, everything that I have comes from him. And therefore, that means rather than me trying to get it all, my goal is to be a good steward of what he's given me, to use it wisely, to, to, to think about the, the stuff that he's entrusted me with, and to use it wisely. What about then the... How do they live as a result? Like, like how do they treat money as a result? Because of this. What's the difference? Well, you know what? The problem gambler begs, <laughs> borrows... And what's the last thing? Steals. Steals. (laughs) Basically, they'll do anything to get more. And you find the problem gamblers start stealing from their own family, from their friends, from everybody. They start to be people that steal from their work, that steal from themselves, just to get extra dollars for the futile hope of putting it down a, a, a machine with a a distant chance of of getting the jackpot. They beg, borrow and steal. But do you know what's interesting about the problem gambler? There's an urgency. There's an urgency about getting more. They will be thinking up, scheming, trying to do everything they can to get the next dollar to just waste it away on a wishful hope. When it comes to Christ followers, you know what there is, I think, when it comes to this steward thing, stewardship? Often there's a conservativism. I think words we can use is conservative, careful. And perhaps we could say cautious. You know, God has given us this. We don't want to be flippant with it. So we want to be cautious in the way that we use our money. It's quite a difference, isn't there? Quite a difference. I think when it looks here, there's no question at all that having Christ as your Lord and Saviour, as God being the one you're falling to, is so much more wise than having your own self trying to figure out how to do life. To use the little on a lost hope rather than realising that everything is God's and now there are so many ways I can use what he's given me for his kingdom and his purposes seems incredibly wise. But when it comes to this one, I'm not wondering if there's not something we can learn from a problem gambler. I mean, we don't want to beg, borrow or steal, but there's an urgency to get... More so that they can have a hope which is a, a, a shallow hope for millions and billions of people. Whereas we tend to be conservative and careful when there are aching needs around us. And in the midst of screaming needs and concerns, we tend to say, We'll be careful. And sometimes I think that verges on we'll be so careful that we'll make sure that we have a nice home, we have a nice place, more than enough to live on, just in case for a rainy day. We'll be more and more looking after our own place, our own needs. While people might be dying and starving, people might be not ever getting a chance to hear the gospel, people might be not having mistakes. You know, this morning... I think that God wants us to think very carefully about the way He, are to use the resources he's given me. I wonder if this morning you'd take your Bibles and let's look at Luke 16 and see if there's not something there in this very difficult passage that can help us to hear what Jesus has to say to us about the way we use money. This is one of the most difficult in the New Testament. So I'm a little bit scared as we start to look at it together because a lot of you Bible scholars will have all different opinions on it. But I'm just gonna, we're just going to go through it and have a quick look and see whether it's got anything to speak about how we use money in light of the fact that God is our king. We're living for his kingdom. And how then shall we use our money? It's called the parable of the shrewd manager, Luke 16. And here's Jesus he told his disciples, this is what he said to them. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So immediately there's a man who's rich enough to employ a manager to look after all that he owns. And there's been an accusation against the manager. Hey, you've been looking, you've been wasting, you've been wasting my possessions. So what would any good rich man do? He calls him in. Look what happens. So we called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer, because you cannot be manager any longer. So all of a sudden, this accusation's brought, rich man brings him in. Your job's coming to an end. So the manager in verse three said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. <gasps> A crisis comes. He thinks, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. Pretty soon I'm going to be out on the streets and, and, and I, I don't know what to do. <gasps> What I'll do is I've got a plan, I've got a a plan. And this way, if I put this plan into action, then people are going to welcome me into their homes and treat me like I'm one of their friends. What's his plan? Look what happens next. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. And then you think Jesus is going to say to the manager, tell, tell the people, tell the disciples, what a corrupt, shrewd manager this man was. But look what happens. The master, the rich man, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. No wonder people get a bit confused about all this, don't they? But I think what's going on here is the master looks at the the manager and he says, you had an opportunity. You knew your time was coming to an end. You knew that if you treated people favourably and you used your position, then you would gain friends for when you're gone. You were shrewd. You used your brains. You, you did that. Now, many people are divided about whether this passage means he was being corrupt and dishonest in what he was doing or whether he was just giving them on his commissions. But the point of the matter here is that he'd used the little resources he's had, the little opportunity he had, to benefit himself later on. His time was coming to an end. He used the little opportunity he had to benefit himself so that when his job was gone, it would go well for him. And then Jesus said these words. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind Than are the people of the light. Now, I just guess. Jesus was looking around and saying, this manager had a little opportunity and he used all that he could so that afterwards things would go well. And sometimes I wish my followers were a little bit more thinking about how they can make the most of their resources while they still have time. Perhaps that's what he was saying. Look what he says in the next verse, though. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into, what does it say there? Eternal dwellings, yeah? All of a sudden it's gone to a different location. I tell you, use worldly wealth here on earth while you have life and you're living and you're able to use the wealth that you have. Use it to gain friends for yourself. Friends among who? Well, we could say, yeah, would, would the Yao people of Malawi... Become our friends if we used our worldly wealth to help. I think they would. I think there'll be some that would become followers of Christ as they actually received the New Testaments and read it in their own language. And perhaps when we get to eternal dwellings, there might be some Yao people that actually welcomed us and said, You used the money you had to help bring us the gospel. We love you. Maybe Marg and John, you know, while they're sitting down and we're supporting them, and and there's a baby that's in trouble and looks like the mother's going to die, and Marg is there to lend a hand. Maybe as that all becomes known in the scheme of things eternally, that little baby will thank you and I for helping, support. That maybe we'll be able to look and see because we responded with what we had. Others were greatly, greatly affected. Then Jesus said a few things, a few verses down. He said in verse 13, No one can serve two
0: masters.
2: (coughs) Do you think he left any room there at all for anyone to serve two masters? No, he said no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one And despise the other. And then he just makes it completely clear. (laughs) You cannot serve both God and money. And just says some other things about what was going on at the time. He said, the Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Oh, I hate just reading verses like that. Because, you know, I I look at that and he said, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. I I often find myself thinking, you know, uh, when it comes to buying a CD... I really need that, you know. It'd be nice, I deserve it, it's great. When it comes to giving to help someone in, in Malawi, I check how much I've got left over, you know. I often we tend to just justify our own selves as taking much greater priority than we do Helping dramatically change someone's life. And this is, but God knows your heart. God knows it. And what is highly valued among men, we can think what's highly valued amongst men is detestable in God's sight. So, what can we do? What can we do as a result of this? You know, if, uh, if we are those that have clearly come down under God's lordship and we're trying to do his kingdom purposes together and if we find ourselves tend to be conservative and careful when it comes to how we spend money on others but actually quite generous and fine when it comes to spending it on ourselves how can we get the the problem gamblers urgency about the problems in the world and how can we what can we do as a result I just want to give you some some things that I think can help us respond as a result of this passage. There we go. I think the first thing we we need to do is just recognise. Recognise that money, more than anything, can grip your heart. And if you're looking for anything that will drag you away from God's purposes continually in life, it's money. Jesus talked about it over and over and over again. He said uh, in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And, and gaining money in this life, will be a certain, if you make that the love of money your goal, you will start to organise and structure your life in such a way that it gets a grip of your heart and it will control you. That's why Jesus said, you know, it's, it's almost impossible. It's like a camel trying to go through the eye of the needle for a rich person to enter heaven. And what he was saying is not that rich people are bad, not at all. You know, if God blesses you, that's great. But what he's saying is the very, very danger of having a light can grab your heart and it can become your God. It can become that. So the first thing I think we need to recognise as we look at these passages is that, hey, recognise that money can grip your heart. I think the second thing that we need to do is prioritise. And I think by prioritising, we need to really take a grip of what is important in our lives, you know, the verse here that said at the end of the passage, it says, you know, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. And if we just let the world prioritize our lives, that's just going to go one way. But I think we need to take responsibility to put before us then God's needs, God's heart, the things that stir the heart of God. And I think poverty, injustice, I think people needing to hear the gospel urgently because time is running out are so important. And I think we need to do all that we can. I don't, I don't naturally open the, I open the newspapers all the time. But you know what? I don't find the newspapers telling me about how many people are dying of hunger. How many the statistics of people that have, are dying in Malawi because of AIDS. I, I don't hear uh, all these stories. The, the newspapers will tell me, like, well, Barack Obama's got a new dog, you know. Um, we need to get a grip on this. And you know, I think for us, especially, we need to see what if we are to give, what difference that will make. Go to the missions board after. Realise, you know, what the what the scripture packages are going to do, what it's going to mean for a Yao person to have the Bible in their own language. Go and have a look and see how much, you know, we would have to give just to be able to get that happening. Prioritise. Know, understand the needs in the world and the difference we can make. See the. The problem gambler believes a dream that for so many will never eventuate. We need to prioritise our lives in a way that we can know the greatest needs that are actually there right now. I think the next thing we need to do is organise. I need to organise my life in such a way that I'm almost shrewd with my money so that others may benefit. Uh, Look, I think this is a challenge for us all and we squirm thinking about it. But I do think how quickly I can spend money here and there throughout a day. And I think how much difference it would take if I started to sit down and say, how can I save money here? How can I save money there? How can I invest more wisely in this way? Maybe I could go without this. Maybe I could change that. And all of the sudden, I would find that I have more to give away to the needs of others. Yeah, I mean, it can change so much. I mean, isn't it the last 10, 15 years, people have just been buying big, big homes with big, big mortgages. And now many of you probably find yourself in a house that's much bigger than you need with a mortgage that's bigger than you need. And just one idea, radical as it is, crazy as it is, might be to sell and move to a small home <laughs> so that you aren't stretched to the limits beyond and you can't give, you know, you've got to give it all back to pay a debt that that's high that might be a radical thing you could do i mean another thing you could do going from that huge thing to another one might be just to give up you know chocolate maybe you have a block a week you know and something like 450 and so in a month that could be like you know 20 bucks that you could give if you organized your life in such a way to give to the needs of others. I think that's being shrewd. I think that's what Jesus was applauding in the life of this this shrewd manager. Organise your life. I think the final thing we need to do is realise that time is running out. This is where the urgency comes in. I mean, the truth is one day you are going to stand before God And there'll either be people all around that say, welcome, Jonathan, you used your money to help me. And I'm here because of what you did. I'm here because of how you gave. You blessed me. You gave so much and it was wonderful. Or there might be so much regret just about the opportunities that you missed and you squandered because you bought the conservative, careful, cautious line but applied it to yourself and ignored the needs of so many around you. I think the truth is that one day we will stand before God. And I think when the the, the manager was told, you've just got a certain amount of time left, your job's going to come to an end, I think what Jesus was wanting us to get is that you just have a certain amount of time on this earth now. And we always say, you know, one day more will be enough. You know, one day we'll have enough. One day things will settle down, Mandy said, you know, on Mother's Day. But, but now is the time. Now is the time to realise that I have an opportunity I can give. I just want to encourage you this week to really think, the world tells me how I should look after my resources. What does God say? And I love you just to be sitting down with your family and saying, what can we do for others? What can we give up? What can we come next week with as an offering and what can we come with a pledge? And God, would you take our giving and be glorified? It all comes down to who's your God and what's his vision for your life. Let's pray together. God, our prayer this morning is that our vision would be your vision that our finances would be your finances. God, we know you want us to be good stewards of what you've given us. We know you want us to care and love our families and provide for them. We know you want us to continue to give regularly to your work. But Lord, for mission, how can we be urgent? Help us be more like that. Help us reorganise our life. Let us realise, God, that money can get a grip on your life. And Lord, let us now take time this week to prioritise and we pray that you would be speaking to us. We pray that many lives would change and that there would be many, many friends who as a result of the way we've used our finance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen now one of the privileges that you have because you're not problem gamblers is to give to god and this is such a joy such a privilege uh, as we recognize all we have is his Uh, as as the offering comes around uh, we just remind you there's the blue cards it would be great just to fill that in and pop that in the bowl as well if there's some needs and some prayer requests we would love to pray with